Can you find a healthy balance between positive self-esteem and destructive inflated ego? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. Our upcoming Parsha of Emor pulls us into the world of the Kohen, of the priest, the descendants of Aaron HaKohen, Aaron, brother of Moshe. We've seen the Kohen before, and a few Parshas back, we had their induction to their role in the Temple. But this Parsha is more of his law and life, in terms of the restrictions that the Torah adds to the Kohen beyond the rest of us. The Kohen has limitations as far as not interfacing with the deceased, in general, under most circumstances, the Kohen does not go to the funeral home. Some may not even realize this. Almost every significantly large Jewish community's funeral home has some type of a separate room for the Kohen that doesn't share a roof line with the rest of the structure. But the Kohen can't go into many environments that are associated with death. And there are extra limitations as far as his pool of marriage candidates. The Torah provides further restriction on the Kohen than others. And the Torah also tells us, in shorter words, but as Rashi describes to what is um, Pasuk Ches at the beginning of the Parsha, verse 8, that when it says, He shall be holy unto you. You, Israel, have to treat the Kohen as holy. That is a requirement for the rest of us to provide the Kohen an extra sense of regard and respect, to give him first rights. Uh, we're familiar with the idea of the Kohen getting the first aliyah at the Torah, and in other contexts as well, the right to lead the zimun, the grace after meals. Kohen should be given first dibs out of the fact that we recognize his sanctity. And that could create a risk. Hey, if I, Mr. Cohen, am treated as so special, then I start condescending on the other, I start letting it inflate my ego, I start having it have me forget perhaps my unique mission and my role of sanctity. I'm just better. I'm so special. Well, the Torah might have protected against that with the opening of that very same verse. That verse 8, Ches, where the beginning of that verse, as interpreted by Rashi, is the source to the fact that if the Kohen is not keeping in line with the expectations. He is dismissing the fact that the Torah is being more um, restrictive as to who he marries, that we are to persuade him, potentially to coerce him, to get back in check. The coin has to remember, at the same time, the Torah is telling me I'm very special, the Torah is also saying that this is not a matter that right now is left up to me, if I'm in fact to play this role, I am to play this role appropriately, and I am to recognize the fact that God has dictated a set of rules by which I must adhere. This issue of extra regard, extra covet, having an extra rank, uh, being more elevated vis-a-vis the other, and the risks involved, draw me back to a, an anecdote, a story that I uh, experienced back, oh, this is probably about uh, 13, 14 years ago, I was getting into a taxi cab in Baltimore, Maryland, in life before Uber and Lyft. I was getting into a good old-fashioned taxi with a fascinating character of a taxi driver. I get in, and this guy's with his long white hair, leaning back in his seat, like really cool and comfy. And I get into the car. I'm in the Park Heights neighborhood in Baltimore, Maryland. Those who are familiar, 
very central to the Jewish, to the very traditional Jewish community, heavily Orthodox Jewish neighborhood over there. Get in the car, and he says, Man, I love this neighborhood. Really? Oh yeah, especially on Saturdays. It reminds me of Israel. Now, there are a lot of Israeli taxi cab drivers out there, and I've got a lot of stories with Israeli taxi cab drivers, but this was no Israeli taxi cab driver. This guy seemed like more Maryland hillbilly. And Israel? I said, reminds you of Israel? You spent time in Israel? He said, yeah, way back. And he tells me the following. I'd been on tour. This guy was apparently an up-and-coming rock star. I was part of a band, on tour in Europe, a bunch of gigs in Europe, and then we were called to do the opening act at Tel Aviv's Hard Rock Cafe. Spent time in Israel, sounds like he's back there on another tour, and I'm starting to probably look more and more quizzical as to, so what's up with your driving the taxi? Well, he tells me, this is part-time. About one to two weeks a month, I'm in the taxi. The majority of the month, I am a recording studio navigator. What, you may ask, is a recording studio navigator? Well, guess what? That's what I ask him. What is a recording studio navigator? And he tells me that it is basically a fancy way of saying that he is a babysitter for up-and-coming rock stars. Recording studios have put a lot of money, they've invested a lot of money into these up-and-coming guys, girls, and they want their shows to be successful. For the shows to be successful, they've got to show up. The band has to make it to the stage. And they've got to get there sober and sane. And his job is to see that that happens. Because apparently it's not always so guaranteed. And he said it is so tough to keep them, make sure that they are not high and that they are able to function and they need to just get into a fight and that they'll actually be on stage and perform. That's my job, but I can't spend an entire month on the road with them because I'm putting myself back at risk for what got me in trouble many, many years back. I came clean from it after about 10 years, got myself, my life back together. But I'm at risk, so I can't spend a month on the road. I spend about half the month, a little more than half a month on tour, and I do this to fill in the time. So I ask him, hey, tell me, how bad is the scene? They're all getting in trouble, all drinking, all getting high. He said, oh, nothing like it used to be. Maybe 50% are really abusing. Well, maybe that's for another talk, but I asked him the following. So that abuse, is it triggered by just too much money too fast? And he said, no, I think it's something else. He describes to me the incredible loneliness that comes from not knowing who you are because of misapplied and misguided honor and respect and reverence. He said, these guys are on stage and they are the star, they're the idol, people are screaming with their autograph, won't let them go without you know, security to get them out the door. And then you show up to get a prescription filled, and you pull out your ID, and the, you, know, t- you just fill out paper, and someone notices your name, and no, no recognition doesn't mean anything to them. And you say, like, excuse me, like, want me autograph? And they're saying, like, not particularly, <laughs> unless you're signing the credit card form. Who are you? And who am I? They're screaming for me in one context, and everybody's ooing and aahing, and in the hotel, I've got to make sure they don't recognize me, because some people are like, whoa, and... To other people, I'm 
a nobody. But am I somebody? What are they screaming about? Have I done anything for anybody? Have I produced anything for anybody that's meaningful? Am I bettering the world? And he said there's a big sense of imbalance. Now you throw into the equation that you're on a crazy schedule and you're detached from your family and it's not a healthy mix. And it got me wondering. The Mishnah in Perkeavos tells us that kavod, honor, extracts people from the world. And this is helping me feel why that's the case. Because I'm inflated and I'm detached. But we're constantly told to give honor. We're told to honor our parents, honor our sages, honor the Kohen, to give extra respect, treat him as Kodesh. Isn't, aren't we putting people at risk? Are we trying to hurt them? And I think the following puts this all together. Honor is particularly dangerous if it's not tied to something meaningful. If you're putting me on a pedestal, but I can't figure out why, then I just, how am I going to preserve myself on that pedestal? Oh, I just have to keep them thinking I'm greater than them. They're not referring to anything that I've done or accomplished or produced to better the world. And it's not my role. It's not because I'm their senior and I have more, and I have more years of experience or that I have provided them something as a parent or nurtured them. And it's not the fact that I'm the coin with an extra dose of responsibility and requirements and that I, they need me to provide the atonement for the masses. But no, 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 it's just random for something that's fluff. That is what pulls a person out of the world. That cover that's misplaced. It's not anchored in something meaningful. So the Kohen experience, where he is to treat himself as special, we have to recognize him as special, but it can't be detached from a recognition that it comes with a responsibility and it comes with a need to regard the position that gives me that regard and to be reflective of the fact that I have a special role to play. And as we go through life and often find ourselves in positions where the honor, the kavod, the esteem is coming our way. And sometimes where it's necessary. We may be at the top of a pyramid where, let's say, there's the employer who has to ultimately call the shots as to what the future policy is going to be. We may be the, the, the military leader who's going to have to make the determination as far as what the next step is going to be, what the strategy is going to be. We may be the head of a family structure and, again, warrant that respect of our children, of those who are our junior, where the Torah does not preach that we're all buddy-buddy in society and we do have a system of covet in place, and sometimes I need to exercise that authority because due to my talents, my knowledge, my experience, and of course the gifts that God has given me, I am the one who can make the decision for the subgroup over which I am at the helm. But at the same time, balancing that without letting it inflate our egos and have us lose sight of the fact of why it is that we're at that position and what's expected of us in that position. Very curious to hear any of your thoughts. What's worked for you? What helps you balance honor and self-esteem and ego and a healthy sense of who you are without becoming I mean, inflated in any way, uh, the proper balance really between um, humility and modesty and occasionally have to flex and pull rank on others, and which could be seen as being more haughty. But how do you balance those in various situations that you face? Send me your 
vignettes and your your thoughts, send them to uh, Tachlis Coaching at Gmail. Uh, that's um, a great place for me to then distribute with others and share what's worked for you. What we've seen here today, though, is that Torah is already giving us perspective that there's a balance that the Kohen who's going to be treated with regard is going to have to recognize he's not above the law. Fascinatingly, we get to discussions of the king. The king as well is a position of incredible authority, incredible reverence, incredible respect, and yet has to balance that with an incredible sense of humility. Balancing this, not always easy, but imperative, can allow us to be healthy on both fronts, to have the healthy self-esteem, the healthy recognition of who we are, which will allow us to accomplish what we must accomplish without letting it get in the way, without it pulling us out of life and having us like that lonely star who's floating through a lack of a sense of purpose and, God forbid, having to turn to other mediums just to offset his sense of frustration with lack of self. Finding that balance, healthily managing to have our esteem and use it properly will be a phenomenal tool, a great agent in helping each of us achieve our tachlis.